everybody and welcome back to the Reading Materials podcast, a podcast where two friends read a book or series of books and then talk about it on the show. My name is Cory. And my name is Lucia. And we are feeling rather confused because our schedule got interrupted and we feel like we haven't actually podcasted for about 10 years, even though it's only been two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so how have you been in the last two weeks, Corey? Yeah, good. Just busy with work. My deadline is Friday this week, and then I will be mostly done with work, like really hard, intense deadlines uh, before I go on maternity leave, which is nice. Mm. And you're taking a, a holiday next week? Yes, we are. It is our first wedding anniversary on Sunday. And we are going to Cornwall to just spend some time not thinking about work or house stuff. It will be good. Mm-hmm. And you Excellent. are doing something very exciting this weekend. Hopefully. Well, I, I hope I will be doing it, yes. But this weekend is the weekend of our half marathon. Yes. So fingers crossed that we make it over the finish line. <laughs> And in fact, make it over the start line because... COVID. (laughs) Potentially COVID, but hopefully not COVID. Yeah. We'll see. I will let you know in the next episode. (laughs) So. Before we get started, I would like to say that we are going to be discussing the book in full. There will be spoilers for everything. If you have not yet read the book and you would like to, then I suggest you pause now, read the book, and then come back. Mm-hmm. Indeedy doody. So the book that we read for this episode was This Vicious Grace by Emily Thede. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a little bit about her. I didn't find a lot. Okay. I don't know if you had a chance to look her up. Uh, unfortunately not. I well Okay. I have told you, but just to warn the listeners, in case they hear doggy sounds, I have a dog <laughs> staying with me at the moment, so he has been taking up all of my energy <laughs> and time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's fine. So Emily Feed is a new author. This is her debut novel. Mm-hmm. She used to be a school teacher. And she teaches creative writing. Um, She co-hosts a podcast as well. Oh. And she lives in the United States. I think she's married. I think she is a mother. But I couldn't really find out much more about her. Like, this kind of bio is what was in the book. And it's on Goodreads and every website that I was able to find Mm. that mentions her. So I don't really know much more. The book that we discussed came out in June of this year, so it's very new. Mm -hmm. And it is the first book in a YA fantasy duology. Nice. Do you know what her podcast is called? Uh, Yes, I do. It's called Basic Pitches. Okay. I don't know what it's about. (laughs) Well... We uh, we may have to find out, but... <laughs> yes. Cool. 
Yeah. So that's all I found out about her. Very good. And I did no research whatsoever, but uh, I think we have been tending to find that newer novelists have less on the internet anyway. So, yeah. 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 Cool. I mean, she she has a Twitter and she's on Instagram as well. Okay. So, yes, there are ways to interact with her. I just didn't really do much more research than that. That's all right. We have both been busy. <laughs> Beautiful. So why did you choose this book? Um, so we were originally going to read um, The Song of Achilles, I think, for this episode. Mm. But we decided to change kind of last minute because it wasn't in keeping with the theme for this season, which is to read books that came out this year. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did a very quick search for new releases in the last couple of months. And this book came up. It's YA fantasy, which I had high hopes for because it's generally a genre that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I thought the blurb sounded interesting. Mm -hmm. So that was mostly why I chose it, really. Lovely. Well, do you want to read the blurb? I shall read the blurb, yes. So this is the blurb from Goodreads. This Vicious Grace by Emily Theed. Three weddings, three funerals. Alessa's gift from the gods is supposed to magnify a partner's magic, not kill every suitor she touches. Now, with only weeks left until a hungry swarm of demons devours everything on her island home, Alessa is running out of time to find a partner and stop the invasion. When a powerful priest convinces the faithful that killing Alessa is the island's only hope, her own soldiers try to assassinate her. Desperate to survive, Alessa hires Dante, a cynical outcast marked as a killer, to become her personal bodyguard. But as rebellion explodes outside the gates... Dante's dark secrets may be the biggest betrayal. He holds the key to her survival and her heart, but is he the one person who can help her master her gift or destroy her once and for all? Emily Theed's exciting fantasy debut, This Fish's Grace, will keep readers turning the pages until the devastating conclusion and leave them primed for more. Dun dun dun. So, let's dive right in, Corey. What did you think? Give me a star rating. I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it four stars. Wow. Well done. How about you? Did not enjoy it mm-hmm. and I'm struggling to put a number down. I'm somewhere between two and three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I might put it at a three depending on how well this discussion goes. You might, yep. you know, change my mind. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't have the best time with it, so it's on the lower end. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I this was another one that I listened to on audiobook. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you why I decided to listen to it on audiobook. Um, I probably had a credit on Audible, (laughs) and I think that helped because the beginning I found pretty slow. We we already sort of discussed that. And I, as I say, I've got a really big work deadline, but it's kind of 
the majority of what I've been doing has been pretty brainless stuff. So I've been, I was able to listen to it while I was also just basically typing numbers from one document into another. Um, so that might have helped it along a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also struggled with the beginning. And generally, I struggled with the pacing of the whole book. I found it quite laborious, dare I say even boring, at a lot of points. So I think that was the biggest letdown for me. Even though the author used, like, a strict deadline to kind of make you feel like the tension was ramping up, there was even a countdown to the big event, Mm. I didn't feel like it really added to the sense of urgency at all Mm -hmm. for me personally. So that was, yeah, I think the biggest negative for me. I had some issues with the characters as well, which we can then, you know, talk about in more detail once we talk about them. But overall, I think it was the pacing for me. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's that's definitely where the audiobook helped me out a little bit because I didn't notice where it was boring because I maybe was combining it with something that was already extremely boring. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But I do agree with you. It did it did there were points so they do a countdown where it's like 21 days left to the big event and all that jazz and um it would be like a new one would start. It was sort of chapters. Mm-hmm. A new chapter would start and you'd expect it to be like a lot fewer days left, but actually sometimes it was even the same day still, mm. which I did find a little frustrating. Mm. Exactly, yeah. I mean, the chapters themselves were quite short, which usually is something that... I like in Mm. books, but this time I found the number of chapters, I think there were 57, to be a little bit overwhelming. Like I just thought, oh my God, Mm. just how long is this story going to keep going? Um, And I feel bad for saying this because, you know, this is her first novel. So Mm. I think a lot of the things that she did were really good. So I don't want to come off as it was completely bad because Mm -hmm. it wasn't. But yeah, just for me, the pacing. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, probably your answer will be yes, but in the audiobook, did each new chapter have the proverb at the beginning as well? Probably. I don't remember though. <laughs> okay. Cause in the in the written book, uh each new chapter had like um, a brief one sentence kind of proverb or saying at the beginning of the chapter was it in, in Italian? Yes, and yes. then in English. Okay, yes, no, I yep. did have that. Okay, cool. Did you pay attention to those at all? No, not really. Yeah, me either. At, I I noticed they were there, but at some point I just stopped taking them in. So yeah. I don't know if they were in any if they had anything to do with the events of the chapter if it was supposed to be you know some something that some takeaway message that we were supposed to look out for but I just stopped paying attention to them after a while. Yeah, fair enough. I I to be honest with you, spent quite a lot of the book this is going to embarrass me a lot but whatever. Uh thinking that it was Spanish and not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> and then I suddenly realised, no, Cory, you are completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Fair enough. Okay, so that's my kind of broad negatives. So yeah. shall we jump into individual characters? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the main character is a young girl, young woman called Alessa. She is the Fenestra or Fenestra mm-hmm. uh, of the world, which basically means that she is the chosen one who has been given powers from the gods in order to be able to fight off a swarm of flying demons that are going to attack the island. This apparently happens quite regularly every few years. And every few years there's a new Finestra, so she is just the latest in the long line. Mm-hmm. And her power is that she can amplify the abilities of others. And so she is supposed to pick a partner, also known as a Fonte, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and this Fonte is supposed to be the one who has some kind of ability that she will amplify and together they will save the island. And we start the book at the funeral of her third Fonte because, as we find out, she doesn't have control over her power and she has managed to kill three of her Fontes already. Mm-hmm. Is the basic kind of beginning of her journey. Yeah. So... What did you think of Alessa? I th- I found her quite intriguing. I think she... It's quite confusing at the beginning because you don't know why, you know, how she's been killing them. And there's a lot of new words to throw around and it's a new world. So there's quite a lot of world building that needs to happen in order for you to get a little bit of context. But I did find mm-hmm. her quite interesting. I think she... She's maybe a bit detached, um, which made her a little bit hard to sort of empathise with. Mm-hmm. But she's sort of gone from being this little girl who got nominated to be the F- Fenestra. I'm still not really clear how that all happened. You know, is there only one person that has her power in the whole, in the whole city or on the island? And she's gone from being told what to do and just following it and doing her best to be exactly what other people think she ought to be to growing a little bit of a backbone when she finds out that basically everybody wants her dead because she keeps killing people and they think that if she is dead, then another Finestra will rise who will actually be able to save the island. And when she started being more rebellious and sort of doing things her own way. I mean, I love that kind of thing. It makes it <laughs> makes for a good character, doesn't it? Nothing ever happens mm. unless you challenge the status quo. So, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Not my favourite ever character, but certainly not my least favourite ever character. <laughs> I kind of agree with you. Um, I thought her character development in the book was really good. Like, I think we've said in the past couple of episodes that 
we felt some characters were quite underdeveloped or that they didn't really develop that much throughout the story. But in this one, you could definitely see the changes in her mm. as the story progressed. As you've already said at the beginning, she's really quiet. She's just kind of does what everyone tells her. She, you know, she sticks to all the traditions because this is how it's supposed to be. She doesn't question anything. Um, she's obviously deeply unhappy because she's isolated from everyone. Part of being the Fenestra means that you're taken away from your family, from your friends. You, you know, stop being called by your name. So everyone just refers to you as Fenestra. So she's very happy, very lonely. Sorry, very unhappy, very lonely mm. at the beginning. And then you see her kind of grow as a person, start forming new relationships, start questioning things. So yeah, I liked it. I liked her character progression. I don't know if I liked her so much as a person, mm. but I definitely appreciated the growth that she went through. There were other characters that I liked a bit more than her, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read The Hunger Games? I have not. I've seen the very first movie and that's about it. Okay. It was giving me slightly strong Hunger Game vibes because mm -hmm. the main character in that is also sort of a slightly rebellious, um, you know, teenage teenager who sort of throughout the whole series rather than the first book comes together with all of these people to create sort of a bad badass um force to defeat the baddies <laughs> and mm -hmm. um i was getting quite strong vibes of that however if you've not read it then you can't comment so that's yeah <laughs> yeah i can't comment on that one however i was getting really strong vibes of something else that i've read that i'm pretty sure you haven't read which is from Blood and Ash, which is a f adult fantasy series. But there you have also a very similar, you know, you have the chosen one. It's always, it's a woman. Mm. So in this story, I don't think it's always a woman. In From Blood and Ash, it's, it's always a woman. And she's also, you know, kind of kept away from everyone. Even her face is hidden. Uh, she's not allowed to form any attachments or relationships. She's supposed to remain this kind of mystical being. So, yeah, very, a lot of similarities, mm. basically, to that as well. Okay, interesting. What did you, or did you understand her power or, you know, how it all kind of worked? I only started to understand it when she started doing training with Dante and then... Mm -hmm it became a bit clearer to me what she was actually trying to do. Um, but up till then, I was just a little bit like, well, what's the point in a power that just kills you? And there were mm. these sort of training scenes with her two trainers, which is the old Fenestra and her Fonte. And mm -hmm. I just didn't understand what the hell they were trying to do. <laughs> yep, fair, because neither did I. And it just left me questioning, you know, is the message that she is the first Fenestra who can't control her power up until now for generations it's been going fine? Or mm. did they all have issues at some point, but nobody tells her about them? In mm. which case, why don't they tell her? 
Because it seems like nobody has any idea what's going on. Nobody understands why she's killing her Fontes or no. or how she's even doing it. And I don't think we're really given an answer, are we? No, I don't think so. And and um, I sort of went through a lot of it thinking, well, maybe she's just more powerful than they've ever been before. And mm-hmm. then I think something that happened right at the end, I might be wrong, I can't remember, I finished it quite a while ago. Uh, I mm-hmm. think... I think the final battle is actually much shorter than the others have been. Yes. So then I was like, well, maybe she's not that powerful because, you know, or maybe she's so powerful that she's finished off all the baddies much quicker than anybody else ever has. I don't know. I, it, it was a little confusing, but but not so confusing that I hated it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also didn't hate it, but... You know, the more I think about it, the more I think that there are a few plot holes or mm. a few things that weren't explained. And I wonder if she's going to explain them in the second book. Maybe she will. Mm. But yeah, I thought it was quite confusing about why her power sometimes worked, sometimes it didn't work, why nobody could explain why it didn't work. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, you mentioned Dante. Yep. Uh, Do you want to tell us about him? Yep. So, Dante is a cage fighter or a street fighter that she Mm -hmm. encounters while she's wandering around the city when she shouldn't be. And he helps a little girl who's begging and then gets herself into some trouble in a crowd. And Alessa decides that this man must be the one who is going to be her bodyguard when she discovers that her mentors are plotting against her. Or not Mm -hmm. plotting against her, but have basically decided that if they can't train her, then she needs to die. And so she goes out and finds Dante, hires him to be her bodyguard, and then they fall in love, and it turns out that he is a... I don't remember what the word is. Giotti? Giotti? Giotti, yeah, something like that. Which is basically a demon, or so the re- the island or the religion or whatever the heck it is understands him to be, and because she's fallen in love with him, she doesn't care, and it turns out that he has the key to helping her figure out her power because he can heal himself, so she is able to practice on him without immediately killing him and it turns out that she needs to learn to moderate her power because basically she's just coming on a little bit too strong yeah i really liked him i thought they had some chemistry it's not the most strong chemistry i've ever read but again you know i bought into it and i wanted them to get together there was a slightly Mm -hmm. awkward sex scene which (laughs) <laughs> I think I probably could have done without. <laughs> <laughs> what made it awkward for you? It might have just been context, but obviously I was listening to it while I was working. Mm-hmm. So it might just have been that. But I think I, I think I just didn't buy that whole part of it. It didn't seem particularly... I guess this is where the the difference between what is adult fiction and YA fiction or fantasy. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I just didn't find it very convincing. Mm. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I like Dante as well. I thought he was a pretty strong male lead. Mm -hmm. Also not my favorite. I didn't really buy into their relationship too much as in I knew it I knew it it was inevitable that it was going to happen that they would get together. Mm. But for me the chemistry at times felt a bit forced as in sometimes I felt like they had chemistry because of the dialogue or the way that it was written and then other times it just completely fell flat for me. Mm. So meh, kind of lukewarm. I also agree with you about the the sex scene. It almost feels to me like it shouldn't have even been included mm. if that's the way that it was written. Because it like there was some description of what was going on, mm. but not enough to make it exciting or titillating or whatever you want to yes I you think, know yeah titillating is a very good word for it <laughs> <laughs> it it just yeah yeah I don't know it felt like it was trying too hard you know like she really wanted to have a sex scene but mm. because she's targeting the young adult population she obviously couldn't write it in more depth than she did yeah and I just felt like it it fell flat for me. Like, yeah. I almost wish like it hadn't been in there at all. Yeah, I agree with you. It would have almost been better if it just kind of happened behind closed doors. But then we would have been yeah. frustrated and been like, oh, wouldn't it have been great if we'd actually had a sex scene? <laughs> um, yeah, may maybe you're right. I, d I really don't know. Mm. Because, because we know that it's YA mm. and I, you go into it knowing that then I don't always expect it to, you know, include that element. So I don't think I would have really minded. Mm. I might have been like, ooh, a little bit frustrated in the sense of I wish it had been targeted for an older audience, mm. but I wouldn't have seen it as a negative that it didn't include that kind of yeah. content. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. There is a time and a place, and I felt like if this, if you're really being fully YA, then maybe just don't include it at all, as you said, and just keep it closed doors. And that's fine. Although having said that, for example, A Court of Thorn and Roses is YA, and that's... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the end, it's really not YA anymore. No. <laughs> and I think, I think everyone acknowledges it. Okay. But it's still, whenever I see it in the shop, it is in the teenage section. Yeah. And I mean... You know, yes, 18, 19 is still technically teenagers. Yeah, and but an 18, 19 year old would not be shopping in that section. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I'm 33 and I shop in that section. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I will shut up. <laughs> but, you know, definitely I wouldn't want, or not want, but like a 13 year old I don't think it's not. necessarily appropriate for a 13 year old to be picking up a cord of silver flames. Yes. You know. Yeah. 19 a whole other story. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky genre to aim at because mm. because there it is such a massive change. It's probably the time when you change the most in your life, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It spans a lot of years. But yeah, so in terms of Dante still 
again, he was a little bit confusing to me because I didn't fully understand what a guillotte, guillotte is supposed to be. Maybe it, maybe I just kind of skim read that section because I know it was explained, but I, I, I can't for the life of me tell you what he is supposed to be. Yeah, I don't think it really was explained. I think it was basically just that they assume that he's a demon or the, the general population just assumes that he's a demon because there's something that has been put into the knowledge throughout the years and I think that we will find out a lot more about him in the next mm. book which is kind of obvious from the way this book ends and so I think I think I think he's not supposed to be able to interact with the Fenestra's powers uh, and yet he is and he's actually the key to defeating the what what were they called scarabea yes scarabea your accent's much better than mine <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, you even knew which language it was though so yeah i'll uh, <laughs> keep, keep my nose down <laughs> But um, yeah, so I think that it's basically just he's supposedly a demon, but there's just this big misconception about him. And maybe it's, I don't really know why. His his main power is that he can heal himself. Yeah. And maybe that's why they have this bad reputation, because he he's a fighter when they first, when we first get introduced to him and he's obviously beating everybody that he fights against because he can heal himself. Mm -hmm. And maybe other less scrupulous people would be doing more fighting and killing and less of what he is doing, which is basically just trying to figure himself out. We find out that the main reason he takes the job with Alessa as her bodyguard is because he wants access to the library to be able to try research more about himself and his kind because his parents were killed for having him. That's a very long-winded way of saying I don't know, but I think we'll find out. Yeah, I think you're right. I have some vague memory about there's supposed to be there's supposed to be like some kind of sacred well or yes, a fountain of source something. Yeah, a fountain of something. And the guillotte are evil because they steal from it or something like that. Yeah. I don't really know. No. But yeah, so he's an orphan. His parents were killed and then he was taken by a priest or some religious fanatic mm. who abused him. Mm -hmm. So he has a very, you know, a sad kind of backstory very trauma traumatic, which seems to be, you know, what all characters need to have <laughs> at this point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I liked how he was with Alessa. Yeah. I thought he was very good to her, uh, a decent person, basically. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So she trains with him because even if she's using too much of her power, the fact that he can heal himself kind of balances it up it out yeah i guess yeah i think so so i i like i say have not prepared adequately i don't remember the names of any of the other characters so do you maybe want to start us off on one of them <laughs> <laughs> yes so i only really wrote down the names of all the other fontes fontai so we have caleb his power is lightning 
We have Kamaria. She controls fire. Then there's Saida, who can control wind. Nina can control matter. And Joseph can control water. And these are the five Fontes, Fontai, still living on the island. And basically, Alessa is tasked with picking one of them to be her new official partner, her official Fonte. So they all move into the castle or wherever it is that they live. And they're supposed to train with her for a number of weeks. Yes, is kind of what happens. Yeah. So let's start with Caleb. Caleb is introduced as being this kind of spoiled rich young man who is aloof and above everyone else i suppose what did you think of him yeah i thought he was an alcoholic (laughs) (laughs) which he kind of was and he's the one that she eventually marries because basically they put it to a vote and he volunteers slash wins he was quite arrogant, but he turned out to have some redeeming qualities in the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really have loads to say about him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't really have a lot to say about any of them. Because mm. while there were individuals, like, I think my favorite out of all of them was Kamaria. She's was, I found her to be the most witty, the kind of the funniest, perhaps the most genuinely friendly towards Alessa. Yeah. But, like, in terms of personalities or character growth, I don't think there was a lot from any of them. No, there wasn't really. So, yeah. I felt like they went from being super afraid of Alessa, borderline hating her, slash some of them wanting to kill her, to very, very quickly becoming besties with her and all volunteering to be her new Fonte. Mm. I found that to be a little bit naive and not really fully believable. Yeah, there was definitely something lacking there because at some, at one point they've, they've all been sort of dismissed from training for the day and they're all in their area, room, dormitory, I don't know what it is, chilling and playing cards. And Dante persuades Alessa to go and try join in on the card game and it turns out that she she gets it wrong and just has this very awkward interaction with them again. <laughs> and then yeah. we sort of get, they come to invite her and Dante to a card game and then they go to the beach together and then they're besties. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not particularly yes. convincing. No, not at all. Also, their reaction towards Dante when they find out that he's a guilty again i felt like they just accepted it really fast yeah which was not really believable for me at all no i agree with you especially given how much fear everybody else literally everybody else has towards him Mm. and he's been quite standoffish with them all kind of sitting in a corner and being a bit um i don't know what the word is aloof during the training mm. sessions or training them in sort of hand-to-hand combat. And yeah, so it feels like there could have been more development there, but 
but it would have had to have taken place of something else rather than be added into on top of everything else that happens because as you say maybe the book already has a little bit not enough going on for the length of it (laughs) yeah i agree but i do like the way i do like the way that they all end up combining forces so they have to become friends in order for the final battle to play out the way that it does which is basically that Alessa figures out that by touching each of them in combination, so she if she touches two of them at a time or more, then A, her power is spread out more, so she's less likely to kill them, and mm-hmm. B, she can combine their powers and magnify them to make a, a smashing new power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is ultimately what gets the final battle done. And and I did enjoy that. I thought that was really interesting. I think as a as a system of magic, do I understand it? No, but did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. Yeah, I enjoyed the culmination of it. So I enjoyed the final battle scene when it all comes together. Mm. I thought the way that we got there was a little bit clunky, a little bit maybe childish, naive, like, you know, the power of love and the power of friendship will save us all. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, again, it's a nice message. Don't get me wrong. But maybe in, in the level of YA that she was apparently targeting by also including the kind of semi-sex scene... (laughs) It it feels like it's a message for a much younger audience, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how I felt about it anyway. Yeah, I would agree with you. Are there any other characters that you wanted to touch upon? There is her twin brother. Yeah, her twin brother. He yeah, he was very problematic. Very, very problematic. <laughs> I don't forget, I don't remember his name. I think it's Attic or something like yeah, that. Something but like that. in any case, he's introduced very early on. We kind of are led to believe that despite the fact that she's supposed to have cut all ties with her previous life and her family, he still comes to visit her. So we feel like he's, you know, he misses her, he loves her, he supports her, etc., etc. And then very suddenly, without any explanation, completely flips and basically first he tries to poison her by giving her poisoned cookies. Then he gives her poison to ingest because he wants her to kill herself. And then everything is fine and he's suddenly on her side again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it was... I I couldn't quite remember or I couldn't tell maybe if he was something in the priesthood. He's wearing a robe or a hood or something at the end or towards the end before he turns and becomes her ally again. Yeah, it was just a weird dynamic between the two of them. Mm. And... Yeah, he's... Yeah, go on. uh, Well, I was going to say, it does kind of point towards the younger end of the spectrum because it was very much like oh you know forgiveness for your family is perfect because this similar thing happens with her parents where 
or her mother at least, where her mother treats her terribly. And then at Mm -hmm. the end, you know, everything is forgiven and it's all lovely and happy and sunshine and daisies. (laughs) And I don't think that would have happened in reality, especially not with a temperamental teenage girl. Yes, I completely agree. I think her brother was definitely on some level involved with the religious fanatics um, who are basically the main proponents of finding a new Finestra. So the main priest is basically standing on street corners and saying that the current Finestra won't be able to save them, so maybe she should be killed and... That way we get a new Finestra and she will, she or he will be able to save us. Mm. So, yes, we don't really ever get an explanation as to why Attic joined this brotherhood or group of people. Or why he then changed his mind and suddenly was on Alessa's side again. There was a lot of going back and forth without any explanation and... Alessa's forgiveness of his actions came very quickly for no apparent reason. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't buy it. Yeah, so I think I think the whole the whole thing is that there are various islands across the this world that we've been introduced to and each one has got a finestra that is supposed to protect mm-hmm. them from the scarabay. Bayer. And mm-hmm. the idea at the beginning is that if they kill her, then a new Finestra will rise and will be more capable of saving them because all the general population have seen so far is this one killing everybody, all of her all yeah. of her um Fontes. And I think the reason he changes his mind, the brother this is, is that they find out about another island where the Finestra has died or has been killed and a new Finestra doesn't rise. So they realise that that's not the answer. Whereas I think before then he's like trying to say you you owe it to the people to kill yourself or to be dead so that a new Finestra can rise and we all have a chance of surviving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can't... I can so that's what I think happens to make him change his mind and to apologize to her but I I can't speak for what makes her forgive him because I know that if it were me and I'd been that betrayed by somebody who was supposed to be my twin brother uh yeah it would take me a little while to forgive them and certainly not the days that it has you know that it takes here yeah Okay, I didn't make that connection about the other island. Mm. Um, But yeah, no, you're completely right. That is what happens. And the inhabitants of said island um, basically come to the island where Alessa lives. And my understanding was that they were going to bring all of the Fontes as well. But, and that they would all join in the battle at the end. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's actually what happens. No, I think only a few came back, didn't they? I think there's only two? the brother of Kamaria. Yeah, one then. Who? Oh yeah, one because yeah. Um, is it Kamaria who's on the boat with the wind? 
Uh, Saida has the wind. Okay. Fine. And it's Kamaria's brother who who um, basically ran off. Yeah. And now he's come back. Yeah. Yeah. So so I think what I understood was that all the other Fontes had stayed. They'd sent like the women and children first, and then. Oh. They were staying to try protect the island that they were leaving or fleeing from. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, and and uh, there's another thing that we have missed, which is that all the Fontes or a lot of the Fontes start leaving Alessa's island because they're scared that she's going to choose them as yes. their partner, as her partner, and then they will die because she can't help but kill them. Yeah. Is there any other characters that you want to mention? No, not really. We've sort of mentioned a few others in passing, but I don't really have that much more to say about them, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you find, then, all the training and, I guess, the the ending? Um, the training was confusing and drawn out. Mm-hmm. I really like the way that it sort of they have all of these religious texts or whatever it is historic texts that tell about why why these scarabea come every few years and there's all this law that has come up around it and all of these guidances so like the fact that the fenestra appears is well understood but the fact that she or they have to completely estrange themselves from their families and become like a person of the people and never touch anybody except for their fonte and all of the taboos that have come up around the fenestra are all a construct of the understanding of the texts and i really yeah. really like the way that alessa having the power that she does and being the person that she is challenges that and starts to break down those rules that humans have put in place i think that is you know, it's one of the things that I find the most frustrating about a lot of the way that we do things in our society is that we kind of do it because that's what people have done before us rather than thinking, well, let's maybe try things a bit differently or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that element of it. But the actual training itself, I mean, it was it was basically useless <laughs> in terms of in terms of what we learnt to understand from it like there were a few there was a slight progression from being able to obviously kill somebody at first touch to being able to fight the battle but it wasn't as clear as it could have been and there was a lot more sort of social politics going on than mm. than actual training i suppose yeah and then yeah. the final battle i i really enjoyed it i thought it was I thought it was a uh, well written, and it it kept me engaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I I enjoyed the final battle. I felt like, however, it all it all really came together only at the very end. So it almost felt like the training was unnecessary because it felt like even up until the day before they were going to face off against these creatures she couldn't actually harness their power yeah. at all yeah and then suddenly on the day of the battle oh everything's going amazingly well she can control it everything's going fine even people who weren't supposed to be there suddenly show up 
people who were injured and were practically dying are suddenly perfectly capable of <laughs> fighting mm. for hours on end. So yeah, a little bit naive, but overall entertaining. Yeah. How did you feel about Dante's death and subsequent oh, resurrection? Oh, such a cliche or a trope or whatever. It really annoyed me. I was like, God, let's not, like... <laughs> We know that you're not going to kill him off, so don't go through this whole heart-wrenching thing because it just felt cheap to me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I completely agree with you there. I feel like... It f I feel like, of course, it's a trope, the resurrection trope, and I feel like it really only works well the first time you come across it because it's so unexpected. So I remember when, spoiler alert for those who haven't read it, but in A Court of Thorns and Roses, at the end of the first book, when Feyre dies and then she's brought back to life, that is the first time that I'd come across it and therefore found it really shocking and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm. Wow. But I have since then read many books where this or something very similar happens and each down each time i encounter it again yeah i just feel like it's it's kind of cheapens the sacrifice of the character mm. it feels like it's only put in to add a cliffhanger at the end of a chapter or you know some kind of drama yeah that doesn't even last that long like it's all kind of over and done with within five six pages so you don't even have the time to really grieve for the character no it would have before been they're brought back again yeah i think if that was going to happen then the book should have ended there or mm. or should have ended just after she sort of put her last flush of his power back into him and then end the book there so that you're on a cliffhanger of oh what actually happens whereas the way that it pans out, he comes back to life and then we get another sort of hint about this fountain of magic <laughs> and then the book ends. So do you understand it that she took all of his power now and he no longer has the ability to heal himself? Is that why he's healing at the rate of just a regular human now? I think so, yeah. Because I think the whole, isn't the whole thing about that when the Fonte dies, she gets an echo of their power. Mm -hmm. That, that is what I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, I think that's the same. So I suppose then he's no longer technically a guillotine? No. Okay. But who knows? The book ends with, the intention for them to go find the guillotines or this fountain. Yeah. Because we find out that this is not the end of the battle. This was just kind of like a taster mm. and there's an even bigger evil on its way. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's what I understood. And he had some kind of vision while he was in his I'm dead but I'm not dead zone 
about yep. the goddess uh whose name I don't remember uh coming to tell him that he needed to find the fountain and that the he's not the last Kyote. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm interested enough to want to read the next book when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh but I I I really don't know th- <laughs> that I can explain <laughs> any of it. <laughs> mm. I'm not sure if I'll read it, to be honest. Yeah. If I do, it definitely won't be, you know, the sequel I'm most looking forward to coming out next year. I think it's supposed to be published next year. Okay. So it it won't be on my... The top of the like, list. Like, top. Yeah. Yeah. But... Maybe if I have nothing else to read and I, I see some really good reviews from people that whose opinion I trust on these things, I might pick it up. But, nah, maybe I'll just read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, not really. To be honest, I'm quite impressed we have managed to talk about it for as long as we have, because although I enjoyed it... <laughs> I wasn't sure that it was uh, I think it's that thing it's that whole thing isn't it of you know you read because you want to and you it's an escapism and all of that and some of the books that we've done recently have tackled really big issues and we've had a really in-depth discussion about it and that was never going to happen with a book like this but it then does mm. mean that maybe we have slightly less to actually talk about so yeah I am impressed we've managed to go for as long as <laughs> we have to be honest <laughs> I kind of agree and disagree with you there. Like, I think there are definitely big themes even within this book. Yeah. I just don't know if they're, you know, tackled in depth or maturely enough for us to actually be able to discuss them. No, I Because, yeah. Like, as you said, there is the whole concept of the religion. So you have the religious fanatics who want to kill Alessa. You have her fighting back against religious um, texts and traditions. You've already pointed out that, you know, the traditions are only traditions because it's how the people have interpreted Mm -hmm. the sacred text, which, you know, we could definitely talk about that. Like, that is a big theme. It's a very important topic. That's true. She also does touch on class The fact that, you know, a certain class of people all live safely within the walls of the city, whereas others who are marked because they're some form of criminal Mm. aren't allowed inside the the castle when the attack happens. So they're just kind of left to fend for themselves because they're outcasts of society or have been deemed undeserving of protection, I suppose. Mm. And Alessa tries to champion for them. But again, it's like it's such it's like one small scene and everyone just goes along with it immediately. So it feels very just naive. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So that's I think that's all I really wanted to say that I think I wouldn't discount this book as being, you know, not tackling big issues. It just doesn't really tackle them enough it's just it just seemed to be just kind of sprinkled in because oh i feel like i need to make some comment about class yeah and i need to make some comment about religion but i'm not really gonna 
focus on it too much because I would much rather focus on Alessa and Dante's yeah. banter relationship. Yeah, I think you're right. Instead. I think I think it also probably is that this is probably aimed at a younger audience than some mm. of the other YA fantasy books that we have read. Okay. Well, on that note, I don't think I have... I definitely don't have anything else written down. No. So... Cool. I don't think we have a book picked for the next episode. No, we don't. And I suspect also that everything's going to happen out of order again because the next episode (laughs) is going to be our season four finale. And we do have Mm -hmm. a very special guest picked out for it. Uh, But I'm not going to say who it is yet because, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure we're actually going to be able to find time to record. (laughs) It just depends on what the other person's schedule is like. So the next episode will be the special, but we will continue to record season five. We have actually made it to... This episode comes out in December and it's sort of the last proper podcast episode that comes out before I head off to do scary things with babies. (laughs) So we're about to enter this weird phase of the podcast where we're going to keep recording, but it doesn't all come out until much later on, Mm -hmm. as in in 2023, which is kind of nuts. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, um, yeah, we'll keep everybody updated. And if our guest can't make it, then we will come up with another plan. We have loads of people who like to read that we can also ask. So Mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes. Keep an eye on the social media. Yes, social media and our website is where we post all of our up-to-date schedules. Yeah. And when Lucia says we post, she means she posts because I am monumentally (laughs) rubbish. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so I will see you next week. Yes. To well, actually, no, I won't see you next week. I'll see you in two weeks because you're on holiday next week. That's true. Yes. Yeah. See you in two weeks then. Yes, when we will record episode one of season five, which is. (laughs) <laughs> a crazy thing to be saying. <laughs> yes. Do you want to say what it is? Uh, I do believe it's the um, Adventures of Alice in Wonderland. It or is. Something. Yes. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. That's the one. Season five <laughs> is is uh, the latest book that we have on the list currently was published in 1927. So we are going classic. No, 1948. Yes. I apologize. <laughs> Yes, yes. We're going the opposite of season four. Season four has been all new releases and season five will be all old releases. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm equal parts excited and afraid. Yes, I, I, same. I'm slightly concerned because I find, I find old English hard enough to read and I don't even have it as my sort of <laughs> one of many languages. So I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm sure you'll be better than I will be, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting, I think, because because it's gonna span such a wide like 
I think period. the earliest one is from what, 1600? Uh, 1700s? 1722. Yeah, like all the way up to 1948. Yeah. That's more than 200 years. Yeah. So even the language and the styles and the genres yeah. are going to be so different. I think it's going to be quite challenging. Really interesting. <laughs> and I hope we manage to finish all the books because yeah. it'll be a challenge, I think, for both of I us. I think it really will be, yeah. So anyway. So. Right, I need to go because I am being kicked out of the recording studio. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. So thank you for reading this with me and I will catch you in a couple of weeks. Yes, speak to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us and the podcast, visit our website at readingmaterialspodcast.com. We also publish additional content, including blog posts around the world of books and our thoughts on the topic. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at readingmaterialspod. Until next time, keep reading.